G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. G'day and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Matt G's with you. And just a reminder, you can catch the full program of 2020 every weekday on the Vision Radio Network in the West from 8am and the Eastern Summer States from 11am with the best of 2020 every weekend. More details from vision.org. An alarming statistic that has been talked about recently, 30% of adult Australians do not have a current and legal will. Now, this is a figure that law societies across Australia are alarmed at, and they believe that it should be something that is of concern to all Australians. To tell us more about it, and kicking off a new series that we're going to be doing on 2020 that focuses in on wills and powers of attorney, we were joined in the studio by Kylie Wilson, who is the Head of Succession and Superannuation at Anderson Lawyers. Kylie, where do these figures come from? And why is it so alarming? These studies have been around for a while. Um, and there was one actually a few years ago as well that went up to as high as 60% of Australians didn't have a will. So it's it's a scary thing because the consequences of, of not having one are so significant. People don't really consider the scary, not very nice legal sounding word intestacy uh, is what happens when you don't have a will. And that's a problem because intestacy means it basically goes back to the legislation of whatever state you have happen to be in and it goes according to a particular formula. So your assets are dealt with according to this formula and not necessarily how you wanted to leave them. And uh, that's not ideal for most people, really. So what sort of experience have you had in this field? Do you deal with this on a regular basis, uh, helping people prepare wills, looking at what an enduring power of attorney and, and other issues surrounding that are? Yeah, daily basis, um, we look at this and talk to clients uh, about their wills, enduring powers of attorney, estate planning. So even uh, the more complicated areas because a lot of families now have discretionary trusts, um, which is a, a different structure that they hold investment properties in. It's very, very common now. And most people don't realise that you can't actually deal with trust assets via your will. It's a separate entity. You have to look at uh, how you actually pass those assets and how you deal with that in a will. So those sort of things we're, we're dealing with constantly. And look, we've got a, a big concern about these statistics, uh, in particular, both wills and enduring powers of attorney, just because so many people not having them, we've seen the consequences. So uh, as I was talking to you earlier about, I had a, a client who didn't have an enduring power of attorney and his wife was left in a position where she didn't have any money when he had a stroke and that involved an urgent application to the relevant tribunal here for her to actually be able to pay any expenses, everything, insurance, mortgage, uh, all of that sort of thing. The banks don't go away automatically when Mm. something goes wrong, unfortunately, as we all know, dealing with banks. So had he had an enduring power of attorney in place, uh, she just could have used that and uh, been able to then manage the finances. But instead, it involved a complicated application to what is effectively a court and no one wants to leave their family in that position. Uh, where they have to do that. Uh, it's just it's just not ideal. Well, let's take a look at this. We'll, we'll come back to powers of attorney, but let's take a look at the subject of a will. Uh, help us understand this, Kylie. What exactly is a will 
and how do you go about having one? Well, a will is really uh, just a document which says how you want to leave your assets when you die. That's a very simple way of looking at it. One of the reasons people don't like to think about it is because it does deal with death. And let's be realistic, it's not always a nice topic that people want to talk about. Mm. But it's it's not just about that. It's about financial planning for your family. Um, so in the context of you thinking about doing your tax returns, etc., you should also think about what's going to happen if something goes wrong. So a will is a document which says if you're not here anymore, where are your assets going to go? The document itself is something that you put in place, but there are very particular rules uh, about how the document's drafted, uh, how they're witnessed, uh, how they have to be signed. So one thing that people have to be very careful of is if they're not done properly, that will can then be invalid uh, and you're back in the same position as if you didn't have a will at all. So it's important, A, to have one, but B, to make sure that uh, it's done right um, because you don't you don't want to be in a position where you think you've got your affairs in order and things covered and your family looked after uh, and then find out that's not the case at all. So define assets for me. When I think of assets, I think of things like car, home, um, you know, cash in a bank, that sort of thing. Is that generally just the terminology used in wills, that that's all you're looking at? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, that's that's part of it. Um, but most people now have what we'd call assets out, that actually fall outside of your will effectively. So almost everyone now has superannuation. There's obviously been big government mm. push for quite some years about people getting more in super because – government doesn't want to fund the age pension any more than they have to. Uh, So what a lot of people don't consider, particularly the younger generation as well, is that with that superannuation, um, most of them, even if they've only been working for a couple of years, they might not have much super and they might not think, well, they might think I've only got my car and I've only got a little bit of super and otherwise I've just got my income and there's no real point in doing a will. But having said that, what they're often overlooking is through that super, uh, there's often life insurance. And that life insurance policies are standardly in some of the public funds, two hundred and fifty and $300,000. And they're automatically there with those funds as part of the benefit when you are putting your super in. So the fact that that's out there, it doesn't automatically form part of your will unless you make a nomination for that to happen. Oh, and, and you've got to consider where you want that to go. So that's got to be dealt with as part of your overall, overall will-making process as well. Or life insurance just on its own, uh, another policy. It doesn't necessarily go through your will. It depends what nominations you've put in, in place. And they're all things that you actually need to consider uh, because it's it's not as simple as uh, I've left everything to my wife because um, you've got to make sure that what doesn't automatically go via your will you've dealt with appropriately as well. Now, some of the other things I guess you'd look at as part of a will is people. Yes. You've got people in your life. You've already said, you know, if mm. if something happens, then... You've got to make sure that the people who you are responsible to or who are important to you are also looked after. So would a will cover the people side of your life as well? It does. Um, And that's what people have to sit down and think about is the various stages as well. Because in a scenario where, let's take a a standard husband, wife and a, a couple of children. Well, you've got a number of stages you have to think through. So if something happened to the husband... He might leave everything to his wife if something happens to both of them at the same time, which is clearly a possibility in today's day and age where, unfortunately, motor vehicle accidents are fairly high. Mm. Then who's going to look after the children? And how are the funds going to be dealt with? How's the education going to be paid for? Those sort of things. And then you have the next stage, uh, which is what we call the Armageddon scenario, when the entire family, we're lawyers and we're cynics, so we have to think of Mm. the worst case scenario for everything because... That's our job to make sure it's covered in the document. 
Uh, and if that happens, then you've got to think what, what you want to have happen to your assets. I mean, is that going to go to siblings? Is it going to go to parents if they're still alive? Is it going to go to charities? Uh, and if it's going to go to charities, well, most charities have specific clauses that need to go on a will for the funds to go to the charity appropriately. Uh, so that has to be looked at as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's a stage process. So you've got to look through to make sure, A, your family's covered and then B, that you've covered all scenarios that could potentially happen in, in life because uh, we'd all like to have a crystal ball. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, we don't. And life would be probably pretty boring if we did. Uh, but um, without that crystal ball, you've got to you've got to look at all the potential possibilities. Now, when it comes to looking at wills and looking at preparing for any eventuality, you mentioned that lawyers are cynics. Mm. So, does this mean that as a cynical person, being a, a solicitor can actually be a really good thing for you when you're looking at how to prepare a will? Because there's so many there's so many options these days. Yeah, and I, I think that's really why. Um, You'd normally say lawyers are cynics. It's not that we're born that way. Um, it's, it, it comes as a consequence of what we've seen in practice. Uh, so because we see where things go wrong, um, that's why we look at considering every possibility um, because you're actually looking at protecting your client from everything that can go wrong uh, because we've seen it. And the reality is with, with wills that uh, even though you can do a very simple one, uh, and we were talking before about legal will kits mm. that you can get through the post office, etc. Well, for the most part, if you're doing something very straightforward, that might be all well and good. Um, but the risk and the concern is that, as I was saying before, if it's not signed properly, uh, then it might not be valid. Uh, if there's something else done with it that doesn't comply with certain requirements under the relevant legislation of your state, it might not be valid. Uh, and it might not cover everything you want covered. I mean, those type of documents are fairly form-based, so you don't necessarily get a huge amount of options with what you can put in them. Uh, and that Armageddon scenario, for example, is something that might not be properly covered, uh, as well as what we were talking before about depending on who you're leaving it to, if that happens, uh, has to really be thought through because you can leave it to charities, you can leave it to siblings, you can leave it to parents, but when you're looking at a husband and wife situation uh, and they both die together, there's this rule that says it will go via the youngest person's will because there's no way to identify who survived each other if they die together. So you actually have to look at covering both sets of families further down. And, you know, a simple uh, legal will kit isn't going to do that for you. Uh, and it's it's not necessarily as straightforward as, as, most, people, as most people think. Or realistically, it's... Uh, not necessarily going to be straightforward to do what you actually want to do. You might think you've got it covered with your will kit, but it might turn out that that's not actually the case. Now, you're not saying that the legal will kits are no good, are you? No, no. And and look, they've they've been drafted by lawyers. Um, they've been put in place by lawyers. They're not uh, they're not absolutely terrible in and of themselves. It's just the dangers inherent in them of people doing them on their own more than anything else. Uh, I mean, I can give you an example where I had a client who did the legal will kit and passed away and their family came in. They were fairly elderly um, and just didn't want the expense at that time of doing their own will. So they used the legal will kit. Their children brought that in to me and they'd had one of the beneficiaries witness the will. Now that's a problem. So there's a validity question then with the will. And the consequences of that is that your estate administration, which is what happens after your death and how your assets are dealt with and processed to change hands, etc., 
suddenly becomes a lot more costly, significantly. So you may have saved yourself in drafting the will in the first place and really not a lot of money if it's a straightforward will at all, but you've cost a huge amount to your family uh, in the administration stage because it it wasn't done correctly. Uh, And that's the risk. Hmm. Well, Kylie, when you look at wills and you look at uh, preparing, I mean, like, I was advantageous when my wife and I decided not long after we were married and before the birth of our first child that we were going to get a will. We're married now. We had joint assets. We had a lot of things to talk about, especially with the fact that we were expecting a new member of our family. Mm. I was in the uh, position where I knew a lawyer who I trusted and had uh, been involved in a a service organization with. And I went and saw him and, and he walked me through the process and yeah, he didn't you know, give me a discount or anything <laughs> like that. Oh. But it was great to know that I could talk to somebody and know that this person I trusted. Not everybody's going to be in that boat. Not everybody's going to know, well, this is you know who I'm going to talk to. Because in most towns or cities around Australia, there are multiple law firms. Mm-hmm. Some of those law firms don't actually specialize in, in wills. They Correct. might be yeah. construction or they mm-hmm. might be criminal or, yeah. How do you do it? How do you choose the right person to look after this very important document? Well, realistically, um, most people have had uh, a lawyer involved with something at some stage. Uh, But having said that, that might be, for example, take your case, buying your first house. Uh, Now, that lawyer might have been a conveyancing lawyer and not actually do wills. So one way is to uh, ring your local law society and they'll recommend firms who practice in preparing wills or succession, as we call it, wills, estate planning, that sort of thing. Another way is just to uh, talk to people. Word of mouth is a really great way to find out uh, lawyers who are, A, not ridiculously expensive on these type of things, B, good at what they do, because not everyone specialises in this area. And it isn't as simple as you might actually think, depending on your assets and your family situation. Uh, And we're in a a day and age now as well where we have more and more of what we call blended families. It's very common for people to have second marriages and children of their first marriage and and that sort of thing. Uh, That takes your whole rulemaking to a new level of of what you've got to look at to take care of both families. And you really do need someone who specialises in that area to to do that. So you you need to do your research, um, but it also needs to be someone that you're comfortable talking about these issues with. So, um, but, you know, you can always fall back on contacting your law society um, and seeing they'll give you a recommendation of a few firms who practice in it as well. Kylie Wilson is the Head of Succession and Superannuation at Anderson Lawyers. If you want to know more about uh, finding your local law society, do a quick search on the internet and uh, we'll also put Kylie's contact details on our blog at vision.org.au if you've got some questions that maybe you'd like to ask her in a professional capacity. Kylie, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.